Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies, your workforce transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to the GP Performance Matters podcast sponsored by the world's leading talent transformation organization, GP Strategies, in partnership with LTG. I'm your host, Michael Teal, and it's an honor to be with you today. And we've got a fantastic topic. We're going to be talking about a really difficult puzzle to solve, and that is the strategies to create sustained behavioral change. For any of us, whether it's a diet or technology, change is a hard thing, and I can attest, my expanding waistline can attest to that as well. But to help us solve this riddle, this puzzle, we have one of our friends of the show, Ellen Kumar here with us. She is an enterprise technology adoption solution architect here at GP. And number two is she's just an awesome person. She has one of the coolest LinkedIn profiles you'll ever see. So if you haven't gone on to LinkedIn, welcome to 2023, but I encourage you to check out Ellen Kumar there. And it's just full of joy, sunshine, lots of good stuff. Ellen, I wanna thank you for being a part of the show today and sharing a little bit of time with us. Oh, you're welcome, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Good way to spend a Friday. (laughs) All right. So we're talking about one of your favorite topics. I know you've been dealing with this whole puzzle of technology adoption for quite some time, haven't you? I have. I've been in the space for more than 20 years, most of it with this company or RWD Technologies, which was acquired by GP. Right on. Okay. So you've got lots of battlefield stories, a lot of things to share with us. So the first thing I want to talk about before we get into strategies for sustained behavior change here is why, from your perspective, is this such a challenge for us in terms of making the changes? I think that many people who are, and I won't even say who aren't formally trained as learning professionals, But many people in the workplace think either what we're doing is intuitive, people will figure it out, or if we just give them information, they'll be able to get it. And they put give information in, you know, in air quotes. And that's not the whole puzzle. That's like just one piece of a jigsaw puzzle. And there's many more to consider. Okay. So you've been part of this as an ongoing consulting business for 20 plus years. I know you've got some proven strategies for us. So my question to you would be, what can we do about this? Knowing that that's one piece of the puzzle, share some more of the puzzle pieces with us, please. Sure. For as long as I've been working in the space, I was introduced early on to something that we, my practice calls the adult learning model. And And it's the adult learning model to enable successful user adoption of new workplace hard things like technology and business processes. We need to think of a cooler name for this, by the way. That's a really long name. We'll work on the Colgate name or something like that later. But tell us about this model. Again, can you recap the name again one more time for us? Sure. It's the adult learning model. That's for short. Okay. The adult learning model, but it's for technology adoption very specifically, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So unpack this for us. And then I'm going to challenge you after you've unpacked the model, let's break down these little puzzle pieces and talk about some of the the key consideration points. Sure. When I was first introduced to it, I thought of it almost like a nursery rhyme because the parts were easy to say, prepare me, tell me, show me, let me, help me. 
Mm, I like that. Prepare me, tell me, show me, let me, help me. Okay. Right. So I like that. Why don't we just start with prepare me? And what are some of the insights that you want to share with our global listening audience? I think that um, adults appreciate being given a heads up for things that they're (laughs) going to have to do differently. So the prepare can come in lots of different forms, but it's really basically a multitude of communication that's targeted and appropriate from the right people that they respect in the organization. Hey, these changes are coming. We're going to need your help in this way here's what it's going to look like. I mean, it could be as simple as that, but you could communicate it in different ways, one-on-one or, you know, all hands meetings, et cetera. Okay. I like that. So that would be before the change is happening, you're letting them know why it's happening, right? right? What's the why? I guess start with why is so popular nowadays. And yes. so this is kind of what you're talking about is let's talk about why. And then the next one you had here was tell me, and incidentally, This is a a great illustration you've shared with me just so I could visualize this. So by the way, if those folks want to check this out later, we can share an illustration with you. Tell me is the second one you had here. So what are some insights we want to talk about here, Ellen? So tell me, it expands on the why. When you think about being involved in a class, in a learning environment, it's on a particular topic or process. And so the tell me sets the context for the class. It might give you an illustration of the end-to-end process that we're going to be diving deeper into for the rest of that session or workshop. Okay. So in the past few years, obviously, there's no secret. Things have changed in terms of how these classroom experiences Mm -hmm. have evolved over time. So within this swim lane itself of just the tell me more of the quote unquote classroom. What are some of the nuanced twists you've seen on this to help successfully inform individuals on adoption changes? Sure. I mean, it could be, depends on if the sessions are virtual or face-to-face, but even so, either way, the tell me could be a very interactive session, discussion where people actually get to touch and feel the different parts of this end-to-end topic that they're going to be trained on might be involve some role-playing, could be some videos from respected leaders in the organization. So all kinds of things can play into this, but it's usually facilitated by a subject matter expert, I should say. Okay. So what I'm hearing though from you is that in these sections, this is not really the old-fashioned lecture of just this is what it is. It's almost like a sampler platter, right? Where you're saying, let's construct some strategies to really get people in it and feel it. And I wouldn't say taste it with software. That's probably inappropriate, (laughs) but in that way there. So I think that's good. So that's tell me, it sounds like tell me and show me kind of flow together quite nicely, right? Absolutely. Hand in hand. Show me is when you start to get a little granular about the pieces of the new process or task you're teaching, instead of letting people loose to just explore and learn by discovery. First, you do a productive demonstration of the task that you want them to learn. So show me, i.e. demonstrate it for me. Let me sit back and watch and sink in, you know, let it, let the details sink in. So, you know, one of the biggest things that I work with, at least I tend to specialize more in the automotive sector Mm -hmm. and believe me, we deal a lot with technology adoption. So we'll need to have Mm -hmm. conversations after this here, but I would say a concept that's gaining traction in that world is the concept of story-based selling. Yeah. And you know, where you're 
assigning a character, you're looking at a challenge. How is a solution coming in there? Kind of the, the classic story arc there. Have you seen examples of that within a technology adoption, specifically in this swim lane of show me? Yes. In fact, you may call them personas as well, but oftentimes with the technology platforms, role-based permissions are now considered personas. If you're a buyer or if you're a planner or a quality inspector, that's your persona in the system. And the instructor is normally teaching role-based classes. So you've got a group of those people in the workshop watching the demonstration for what the, the buyer persona needs to do to kick off some new new process example. Okay. So you're getting my attention there. Cause then I could see, okay, it's not just here's how you beep, beep, boop, boop with the software. It's like literally for my role, for my persona, here are challenges that I have to solve. And then it's mm -hmm. like, you see it in motion of mm -hmm. how the software can help you do your job more efficiently or, yeah. you know, give you new insights, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I like that, Ellen. So the fourth step that you have in your adult learning model for enterprise technology adoption, it's actually a pretty good name because I just remembered it, right? So yeah. <laughs> it is a good name. It would be, you have, it is called Let Me. And you still are saying that's in a classroom, correct? Yeah, I'm still saying it's in a, a safe space. So a whether it's space? Okay. a virtual, if it's a learning lab, it's a virtual classroom, even self-paced e-learning can have let me aspects. It's allowing the learners to try it themselves, either in a real environment, maybe production, but we don't normally let people try in production right away. Might be a training environment, might even be a simulated environment. So, you know, okay. virtual reality, all these things are let me, let me try, let me explore. And you do it not by memorizing it, but by trying it and maybe using some available reference material. Okay. So in this type section, you're saying there's some guardrails in yeah. there. Maybe you're, you're starting to migrate from just the observation of a persona to, I'm going to provide you some challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you a chance to get in there, but also maybe some helpful overlays, whether it's an immersive learning scenario like VR or two-dimensional e-learning type scenario. Within that world, are there any kind of exciting new developments that you've seen that are particularly impactful to help make these type of let me scenarios come to life? Certainly, I'm not the tech guru that some of my colleagues are, but we'll often say in when we're creating a solution or looking to design a solution, you know, what's the right mix of letting people into a training environment where we have to build data to support the let me phase for them to be interested and successful? Or can we do that through a simulated environment? And, you know, what are the trade-offs, the pros and cons? Is this kind of a solution going to require more or less time to create and also maintain? You're also letting people use practice using their online help material. So in a let mm, me scenario, okay. you can actually have them going out to access the help. That's the last piece of that this adult learning model. But it's really important because if you don't show, it's like the old adage, if you build it, they will come. They won't necessarily come. If you build <laughs> it and you show them it's there and you let them try it in a safe environment, then they'll go when they need help back on the job. And that's a, a great adage. As you were mentioning, it's setting up scenarios where you're encouraging individuals, users 
DIY, right? To find right. the access. And, you know, the biggest thing I see, and I don't know if you see it too, is that there's so much information out there. The secret is almost like, where do you find your answers? Not even that you know the answer. It's just how do you index things in a way that somebody goes, oh, in the moment of need, or as we say, mm -hmm. you know, in the flow of work, it's like, where can I find what I need to just answer my task? Right. I, I can see how that's a huge piece of that puzzle. And then with your role as a solution architect, have you seen any interesting new approaches out there in terms of helping people in that final help me stage on the job that you've seen clients adopt or us recommend? Sure. Absolutely. There's a whole host of solutions that can be introduced in the classroom, but then are the major resource source back on the job. And we call them generically digital adoption platforms because we're not wed to any one tool, but they're there to be embedded in the technology that people are using. And so they're easily accessible. They understand what you're doing through, sometimes they recognize the patterns of the work and the mistakes you make. <laughs> They'll start to suggest things for you. I mean, this is the introduction of AI as well. So lots of tools, lots of ways we can support people back on the job, but we introduce those technologies in the classroom too. All right. So what you're saying is if someone has challenges, you could come in and say, listen, okay, I see what you're doing here. Here's mm -hmm. maybe the right tool for the right. job that GP from our innovation kitchen and our R&D mm -hmm. platform have looked at and go, all right, this one's probably the right this is the penny loafer you need, right? Yeah. You don't need a Birkenstock. Not that we're, uh, you know, sponsored by Birkenstock or anything like that. <laughs> but it seemed kind of like a, you know, a San Francisco reference there for you. It is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So this is a great, I would call it, I guess it's your adoption framework that you have. And there's so many different tools that you can pull out of your toolbox to help people. So mm -hmm. again, from those elements, again, it was prepare me, tell me, show me, let me, help and me. help me right there. Okay. Ellen, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. I know that your time is precious here today. Mm -hmm. So Ellen, thank you for helping unpack the adult learning model for enterprise technology adoption. Let's talk about some human elements beyond this though. This was a great framework, but besides this useful reference information, from your perspective, what other external factors will help sustain the desired behavior changes? Oh, I could go on and on about this. With the help of a lot of colleagues, I've collected some <laughs> great best practices. But one I would say is people who are trying to change their behavior in a difficult way, especially at work, could really use the support of a cohort. If you're in a group of learners who are all learning the same thing, that's your community. They're all going through the same experience with you. So that's one that's really important. We've talked extensively in other podcasts about super users, but I think they're the next level up because unlike your cohort who are just learning with you and struggling through the struggles, the super users are a couple steps ahead and they might have experienced the struggle themselves, but they're now recognized experts and go-to people in the organization. So kudos for anyone who has ever been a super user because it's kind of a, a second or third hat a lot of people wear, but it's so important. Yeah, I can definitely see what you're saying about cohorts. You know, the cohort is everyone's in there. They're all feeling the pain. They're experiencing the the same challenges, the trial. They're in the same portion of the learning curve, right? Right. And then with super users, I guess one of the biggest challenges that I think are out there with super users is how do we avoid essentially sucking the marrow out of that person? So what thoughts do you have on that on how you can like multiply 
the knowledge of a super user? I think you need to do good work upfront and determine what the right super user network size should be for your organization. So you're not overworking them or overwhelming them. On the tip of my tongue, probably don't have a metric to throw out, like how many super users <laughs> per, per new learner. <laughs> right, but you don't have a ratio. <laughs> but that's a factor. It has to do with the complexity of the changes as well. If this is a, you know, we're talking about changing behavior in a moderate way versus a highly complex way, we're probably wanting to increase the super user support there. Okay. How about in terms of leadership management? What are your thoughts on their role of impacting behavior change? I think this one is huge, actually, both from a middle manager support aspect, as well as senior leadership support. I think when your immediate manager gives you time to talk with you about the changes you're making and then acknowledge your progress, that's huge. One-on-one conversations and dialogue. I also think that recognition from senior leaders that the organization and individuals in it are going through pretty massive changes and making strides is a good thing. So recognition could even be tangible rewards you're given if you've hit, you know, a certain goal. Okay, Ellen. So we've just talked about some really good, what we would consider external factors that might help drive sustained behavioral change. Turning inward from your thoughts, what are some of the key elements that need to be there to really impact the learner from internal behavioral changes? Thoughts on that? Sure. I know for myself, as well as others, I've polled on this topic, that if you feel accountable to yourself and to a team you're a part of, that's a big driver. And I also think when you can see positive results of your new behavior, that's going to keep you on the right track. For example, if you're a salesperson and you're gaining more meetings or leads from trying things in a new way, you're probably going to maintain that behavior. One thing I go back to in my initial days of in, in the car business, I started out right out of college selling cars. And I felt this fear initially of having to proactively make outbound calls to owners mm-hmm. that I've never met. You know, they were names from a database. Right. And feeling that fear. But the thing was, it was kind of crazy. Even though I felt the fear, the more I would do that, it was. I'm hearkening back, this is like 25 years ago, but feeling this empowerment of like, I just conquered this fear and then it spilled over into everything else I did too. So, I mean, that feels like that could be a potentially internally motivating factor. Is that fair to say? It is absolutely fair to say. And I think fear plays into this. So you're overcoming a fear. It's healthy to have fear and then figure out how to conquer it. And once you have, boy, what a What's the word? I mean, you basically get a burst of adrenaline saying, I can do this. I can continue to do this and I can even improve, you know, incrementally as we go forward. Yeah. And I could see that with technology adoption because yeah, yeah, if you have a new way of anything, whether it's an accounting element or it's how do you submit your timesheets or if somebody's moved your cheese to use one of the the classic motivational book analogies, it's not a good feeling, right? And so- Yeah, the more you can get in there and do that is a good thing, right? You're bolstering yourself on the inside. So any final thoughts on this before we close this chapter on this episode about tips, strategies, ideas on sustained behavioral change? I just think it's such a collaborative effort to come up with the right blend of of things, you know, from the learning designer standpoint and the leadership needing to 
you know, keep bolstering people's spirits through difficult times of change and the learners themselves. They've all got to collectively feel like they're moving the cheese. I think that's what drives me to keep doing the work that I do. It's a fun set of problems to keep having to solve. Well, Ellen, we appreciate you. Thank you for being such a light out there in terms of helping our clients adopt technology and sustain it. If any of our listeners want to know more and have a chance to talk to you, where should they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn or they can find me through my GP Strategies email, which is as simple as my first initial last name at (laughs) (laughs) gpstrategies.com. All right, Ellen, on behalf of our listeners, I want to thank you for your time and sharing your insight today. And just hopefully you have a wonderful rest of your day. We appreciate you. Thank you, Michael. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com. 